You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. Roger Edwards, Squid Game, the Netflix surprise hit. Or was it a surprise? Perhaps they knew exactly what they were doing. We'll discuss marketing in a moment, but um, you watched it. What did you make of it? Well, well, it was pretty violent, wasn't it? It was pretty violent. We um, we binged watched this um, over a very few nights, I think maybe three three nights tops, to watch all the episodes. It was just one of those those series which just had everything in it. A great story, great characters, motifs, design, um, the the music, everything just all of it was made it compulsive viewing and and the the cliffhangers on the whole were pretty pretty edge of seat stuff you know the sort of cliffhangers where you just simply cannot not watch the next episode straight away even if it's 1am you know you still feel should we just stay up and watch this next episode but that means that we won't go to bed till two o'clock ah but we can't not see that what happens you know it's that sort of thing so yeah absolutely incredible series as i say very very violent Uh, and i think that the fact that it is a south korean production uh again makes it feel unique as well um you know I've, I've i've watched quite a few south korean series and films recently and and the, the subtle cultural differences are, make them really interesting and and so much different than an american production which i guess we're all used to so everything about squid games tick boxes for me i would agree as you know i've been a f- very fond of Asian cinema from many, many years, started in the 80s and 90s with Chris Ducker with the um, Hong Kong superstars. And I would agree this idea of pure escapism being drawn into a different world altogether with their own kind of rituals and customs and so on. I find having to listen to the language spoken um, and having to also keep up with the subtitles just creates a, a, a truly immersive experience. And that add on to that, the um, stunning photography that certainly this part of the world is known for. But as you hinted at, it was also the thought and the care that was taken to the, the production, into the uh, the design, the costumes, the, the symbols, the sets, and so on. We know, because of course now the story's been shared you know, over, over, through across different media, that the um, director, Rang Dong-Hyuk, you know, spent 10 years of his life from concept to finally getting it uh, financed by Netflix, uh, going through many, many rejections, and so on and so forth. Uh, to the point where he has confessed to be truly exhausted by the experience. And whilst Netflix, of course, would be very keen to do a second season because it is about money after all and profit to be reinvested in, in other productions, he said he's not sure that he wants to do it. And I think he, he needs to, perhaps as a storyteller, you and I would understand that, needs to move on to something else. But what has been fascinating for all of us is that when I say it was a surprise hit, it was a surprise because there was not much pre-launch marketing. The marketing happened 
post-launch, once the movie was out and people were talking about it. And I just think that's absolutely fascinating uh, to observe and and discuss. But the one thing that uh, I'm I'm taking away, it was a series and sometimes it was difficult to watch, I would argue, because there was this crazy contrast between the the games, which were uh, childhood games, and obviously the severity in terms of, of people taking part as adults and pretty much killing each other. Yeah, and the the director and the writer, as you say, he, he's been at this for a decade trying to get this um, production um, produced. And I know that he's received quite a lot of criticism because people suggest that he's ripped off previous films like Battle Royale and uh, The Hunger Games, for example, which are similar concepts in that you've got a group of people and you whittle them down to one winner and usually the the people who aren't the winners are killed off in, in the... I mean, you could even argue one of Stephen King's earliest books, in fact, I might be right in saying it was the very first book that Stephen King ever had published, albeit under a pseudonym, um, was called The Long Walk, which was a similar concept of 100 people taking part in a game where all of them are killed one by one until there's one left. So, you know, the idea, I don't think he's ripped off the ideas. Not at all, he, no. He's just, he's, he's just, he's just adapted a, 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 a pop cultural motif. But I think what really makes this scary is that unlike Hunger Games where, you know, everybody's in it to fight to the death. And Battle Royale's very similar film where they're more violent, I guess, where they're fighting to the death. And and even the Stephen King one, it's all about fighting to the death. This is, as you say, it's playing incredible, simple kids' games, really simple kids' games. And yet the penalty for failing is death, And I think that the director had said that the reason that he focused in on the kids' games is he didn't want the viewers, us, to get hung up on the complexity of the game. So they didn't try and come up with some sort of running man, you know, big glossy studio with all sorts of different rules and stuff like that. It was simple, easy to understand games so that we could focus on the emotions of the characters and the relationships of the characters, but also make us think, you know, my goodness, what if I'd been in that situation? What would I do if I picked the umbrella piece of candy and had to chisel round the umbrella shape as opposed to the triangle or the square? You know, and you're sitting there thinking, my goodness, if you get it wrong, one slip and bang, that's the end of it. That was what was really powerful for me. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the other thing that was very striking is a choice of cinematography where mm-hmm. normally, back to your point about maybe a US or European production, the image would be gritty, there would be a lot of camera movement, they, they would use camera in a way and the, the light conditions to amplify the, the anxiety. This was so well lit. I mean, it was literally, you could see everything sometime to the very, very gory detail. And, and I think, for me, what I took away is this um, analogy with game shows that we are observing, whereby a handful of very wealthy individuals are enjoying seeing a large number of uh, less fortunate individuals fighting it out. And I don't think I've shared publicly you know, my views on game shows or programs like The Dragon's Den and, and many others, but I think I saw the parallel between that, which is, 
Dragon's Den, a bunch of wealthy people embarrassing those who are less fortunate. And and you could argue that the, the production team is, is guilty of maybe leaning in, into that. But you, know, you could say the same with uh, The X Factor. And, and you got, so I also saw it was a, a kind of mirror of society and where we where we are heading and maybe a warning sign god forbid i don't think we'll get to that point of um, games that will put people at risk but you know it, it's just you know playing to, to to that thing so and i think people saw however that there was ways in which you could still use uh, dark humor to your advantage and as we're going to talk about marketing many brands play to that as well yeah, no, it, it was definitely a massive comment about society, this whole series. Mm. I mean, that you know, basically people who are absolutely on the borderline of financial ruin, you know, this was almost, I mean, it's a very difficult one, isn't it? But the odds of winning, I think, I think I, the exact figure will elude me, but there was about 460 of them in the game at the start. And the fact is that if there's only going to be one winner and therefore 459 bodies, the odds of you being the winner are so minuscule that you wouldn't entertain the possibility of playing the squid game unless you were almost utterly on the, the point of desperation. And, you know, it's almost like a assisted suicide in a way, isn't it? Absolutely, if, if you're going into it in that in, with the odds of winning. I'll just let you know. I'm predicting that viewers and listeners will be screaming at you that it's four, five, six. By the way, in terms of the the number of players, <laughs> <laughs> I, ne- so, I was nearly there. I was no, nearly absolutely. There. So, in terms of the marketing, we said there was hardly any pre-marketing uh, for the on behalf from Netflix marketing team, but you could argue there was hardly any post-marketing from Netflix because essentially they could let everybody else get on with their own form of communication and PR. Yeah, and I think it's important that we talk about the design. You know, you've you've already alluded to it as well. We've got the graphics, you know, the 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 overalls worn by the guards and they all have these masks, some of which had circles, some of which had triangles, some of which had squares. And those are simple motifs that people can, you know, they can replicate that i believe that a lot of people in halloween this year in america in the uk have been dressing up as squid game characters for halloween and that element of self-promotion has just you know has helped the show to become as successful as it is but they've also um facilitated um squid games within cities i've seen it in los angeles there was it even happened in london where they had the red light green light statue of oh, the girl God. What a, that was the first statue. game wasn't it it was a very first yeah. game that they had to play and and they've used that in real life so they've had people in los angeles playing that red light green light game with the with the girl and it's doing things like that it's real life marketing it's it's almost like role play isn't it getting the public involved and then that gets filmed by instagram people it gets talked about on twitter facebook etc and it just becomes self-marketing you know the the studio isn't really doing a great deal of traditional marketing but it's sowing the seeds and giving people the motifs and the design and the inspiration to effectively do the marketing for them 
the one, the two that I remember seeing being reported in terms of being inspired by the the symbols of a Squid Game, which, by the way, are very close. Well, they are the same as uh, PlayStation, which I thought was also interesting. <laughs> although nobody has a monopoly on shapes, I, I'd imagine. But so it was um, Domino's Pizza, if I'm not mistaken. When you ordered pizzas in and around the launch of Squid Game, when you open inside the lid, there was there were the symbols, but the triangle was changed into a slice of pizza, and I think there was a strap line of sort. Uh, Heineken used a star symbol from one of the games. And so everybody was playing to the, the, the symbols. I think you're right around the, the outfits. People could obviously do some selfies with the different uh, different major cities. Uh, we did have some people knocking on the door on Halloween. So we didn't know whether you know, families and children would be out this year because of the, the current um, health uh, kind of uh, issues. But we did buy some sweets. So later on, I thought, nobody's coming. So I started eating the sweets, of course, Roger. And then we got the knock on the door. <laughs> and then when I opened the door, there was two young children dressed like the guards from Squid Game with a mask. With And I was thinking, and I said to them, oh, I love the Squid Game uh, kind of reference. And I realized, you're far too young to know about Squid Game. <laughs> so I don't know whether they just went along with... Um, you know the trend, and and they saw. That, but I, I would like to think that their parents did not let them watch um, a Squid Game. The one that they do, and it's always the case in, in the Netherlands, because where they get people to take part in um, the game, as you mentioned, we, we mentioned that last time it was Mission Impossible or Skyfall, where they had to run across a train station and, right. and get to you know a destination on time to win the prize. And in this one, they have to play red light and green light and win prizes, including. Squid Squid Game memorabilia, and all this being filmed by bystanders on their mobile phones and so on. So what was interesting is that you and I have mentioned this idea of influencer marketing and how the term has just become hijacked to become so meaningless. But this is real influencer marketing where brands, without any prompting whatsoever from Netflix, carry over the symbolics and, and the message, and then where all you have to do is put together like a pop-up display and store and let the general public take over. Yeah, and I mean, there was the one that I liked here as well is the the pop-up store in Paris where people could win a month of Netflix <laughs> if they managed to get the the shape out of the out of the candy. Um, the candy is called Dalgona. Dalgona. I, I don't know whether I pronounced that right, but but again, it's that's one of the games. You can I get that shape out of the candy, and of course, in the series, he ends up licking it, doesn't he, to make it easier to get the shape cut out. But one of the things that I I came across an article which I did think was quite interesting because, as you know, Pascal, I've always, always, always been an advocate of using pop culture in your marketing. You know, I'm famous for arguing with a very senior marketing director at a company when I said that the company I was working with at the time should have jumped on the bandwagon of of a character dying in Coronation Street because I felt that 17 million people had watched that episode and there was a message that we could have jumped onto the back of. But I do believe that because Squid Game is so particularly dark... And again, you know, it has that comment that it's making about society and people who are struggling financially and and mentally and maybe even being driven to suicide. I do believe that there's a few brands that have just got it wrong. 
And yes, I think it's very important that we do use pop culture in our marketing because it's a great way to get exposure. But you've got to be so careful. And this is probably one of those ones where extra level of care is is necessary to make sure that you don't cross the line. No, absolutely. So when, once again, I said it was a surprise hit for the viewers, I'd imagine, I would love to have been a fly on the wall at that marketing meeting where I am absolutely convinced that you know what we're going to do? We're going to do very little. And in mm. fact, the scarcity of information from Netflix is going to be what's going to encourage others to carry over the message from brands who are going to play with the symbols to people doing some uh, kind of uh, squid game e- events where you could be dressed and, and take your, have your picture taken or just do enough to enable the viral marketing with some pop-up stores or some pop-up display with um, that door from the red light and green light. And so uh, uh, crazily for something that uh, broke all the records within a week of being released, if you looked maybe at the marketing budget, it would be quite insignificant by comparison. And maybe that's the main lesson back to, you know, your desire for us to keep things simple, Roger back to understanding your audience, back to this idea of others can sometimes do a far better job than you would yourself with your marketing. These are potentially the lessons to take away from Squid Game. Definitely, definitely. And of of course, we don't know what happened in South Korea from a Mm. marketing point of view. It's difficult to research that. But I would agree with you. This is a, is a is another masterclass. We do seem to get masterclasses in different forms of marketing by looking at these films, but the motifs, the design, and the fact that they were so compelling created that sort of surge of public influence, if you like, as you've described. And yeah, this goes to show what can be achieved for a very small budget when you have such strong credentials. Mm, wow, well... Sadly, this is the end of episode 60, Roger. Big thank you for being such a wonderful co-host and all the research you've done as well for this show. For you, viewers and listeners, thank you for your support. Please leave all your comments and suggestions in the usual places. Until the next one, go out there and make sure your marketing is done right. I was Pascal Fintoni and he was Roger Edwards. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates. 